Hello everyone and welcome back to the Empower Hour podcast. Empower Hour is a platform for women to inspire, educate, and empower one another to be our best selves mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially. Today we have episode 7 with Dr. Chloe Benyales who seeks to empower women high achieving women to end patterns of bloat, brain fog, and burnout with functional testing and Chinese medicine. She is the founder of Ascended Alchemy and she is a licensed acupuncturist. And in this episode, Chloe and I discussed some of the major differences between Eastern and Western medicine approaches, something I'm particularly interested in. We also talked about the benefits of acupuncture and some of the other services she offers. And my favorite points that she made were about how our psychology affects our physiology and vice versa. And she gave some great tips about staying grounded and how to protect your energy and prioritize your peace. Before you do anything else, share this episode with one person. That is the best way you can support the Empower Hour podcast. Thank you so much for coming and for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I learned a lot. Chloe is so, so smart. I apologize in advance for the shaky audio. I know it fluctuates a lot. If you can get through it, I promise you are going to learn so much and have a lot of takeaways from this episode. Um, so please enjoy, subscribe to the Empower Hour podcast, subscribe, um, I mean, follow the Empower Hour podcast Instagram and be great today. Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty close with what I was guessing, but you definitely confirmed it. So thank you for joining me today. What have you been up to today? Um, I'm actually in my last few days of my last class for the doctorate program so yeah i've been nerding out a little bit writing um so in between that just enjoying the sunshine i'm here in san diego yeah beautiful day so did quarantine kind of work in your favor since you were pursuing your doctorate or did it get in the way like did you feel like you had more time to study and stuff like that I actually feel very, very grateful where it was the two weeks when all this started was kind of chaotic, where the place that I was seeing acupuncture clients in person, microneedling clients in person, actually decided to shut down with the lockdown happening. Mm. And then kind of 24 hours to let all my clients know, like, hey, we need to reschedule for at least a month. Right. Thankfully, they were very... um, uh, understanding of that and it just so happened a week before that I had announced that I was offering a online six-month wellness program wow look at that timing yeah very divine timing with that and um, a few weeks later I signed my first client and then a few weeks after that a second client so my business I'm very grateful definitely just leveled out and yeah. now it's better so I feel very humbled to be able to offer people a place of um, stress relief, pain management, et cetera, during these times when a lot of the focus is on health. Yes. Wow. That is divine timing to your point. And um, I'm really glad to hear that you had something digital that you could convert to, which I think we should discuss a little bit more. But first, let me introduce you and your accolades and everything like that. So again, um, Chloe Binales is here with us today and I'm gonna read because I don't wanna miss anything. Um, so Chloe is a licensed acupuncturist and owner of Ascended Alchemy. And she aims to create a collective ripple effect of positive change for this world, empowering the ones that empower others one person at a time. And I love that. Um, and I wanna read more of your accolades. I'm very firm on giving you all your credit that's due. Um, she is a functional health consultant with a bachelor's degree in kinesiology, certification in Reiki, and a doctorate in Chinese medicine. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so tell us a little bit about like what 
what happened in your life that steered you into this direction to go into acupuncture and to study Chinese medicine? Yeah, um, it's about seven years now, but essentially what had happened was my own experience with what was a mental health crisis. And at the time, I would describe it as experiencing the dark side of ambition. So mm. love and have always loved wanting to do more and be more. So that led to being a full-time student at San Diego State University, pursuing my degree in kinesiology while working at a busy restaurant downtown, waitressing, and also pursuing other extracurricular activities with my sorority, being active in there, maintaining a social life, while also learning some other things related to entrepreneurship. Because even though I wasn't majoring in it, I kind of wish that I was, so I would sit in on some of my neighbors or my friends' classes on entrepreneurship just to learn more about it until I was trying to survive on about two to three hours of sleep per night. And yeah, not taking care of myself in the um, ironic way of wanting to take care of others, right? And ultimately woke up after going in and out of consciousness from being so dehydrated, so depleted that my dad kind of I told my dad it was this weird experience of like, hey, I think I have the flu. Can we go to the hospital? Mm. And um, thankfully, he kind of intuitively knew it wasn't the flu and was essentially um, hooked up to an IV bag with electrolytes because I was so dehydrated. Wow. From there, they ended up recommending me to see a psychiatrist because I was just so burnt out at that point. My mental focus was not there. Um, finally hitting that like stop sign head on, I didn't realize I was experiencing various symptoms of depression because it was masked by overworking and being, right. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. Definitely. I was almost overworking, overcompensating for the feelings that I wasn't ready to face. So it was after my first psychiatry treatment that I wasn't sure exactly what I was doing still, but I was so disconnected from my body, I just wanted an answer. So any solution I was ready for, so when I was presented with a problem, I was presented with the solution of a prescription medication. And right. so that prescription medication isn't good or bad. It can be a bridge to get you to a certain point so that you're able to make sustainable lifestyle and dietary choices. And Something that I always remember when discussing this with my own clients who are experiencing depression or anxiety symptoms is that I want to bring into the conversation things like, how are you eating? Are you staying up late because your body feels restless? Or is it your mind that feels restless? Are you on birth control? Hmm. Other things are at play because it's not just a brain chemistry issue. It can be ancestral related, various thought patterns, etc. So... That's something I do wish would have been in the conversation during my initial um, consultation with a psychiatrist, but I was willing to do anything at that time, and that was the end of anything. So thankfully, it helped me sleep because I still wasn't able to fall asleep or stay asleep. But then when I was awake, I felt like I had brain fog. I didn't mm -hmm. have motivation to do any kind of exercise or even be conversational with friends, which were very big red flags coming from someone who grew up as an athlete and loved being active and loved being outdoors. So I started to look at different options, whether it was acupuncture, weaning myself off of the medication. And when I found my first acupuncturist, it was seemingly a miracle for me when I fell asleep into a very deep sleep right on the table, waking up, feeling refreshed. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what is this magic? What is this? And then I started going to him. And after about two or three months, I started to open up more in the conversation. Like, how did you start doing this? Um, what led you to this? What other things can this treat? Because I thought it was so mind expanding to consider that there's a branch of medicine or a system of medicine, I should say, that looks at the body and mind as an inseparable unit. 
So instead of seeing a psychiatrist and then maybe a dietitian and then maybe someone else for physical therapy, it's all together. So that was really inspiring. And he majored to note that it wasn't an easy path, but it would be worth it if it was something that I wanted to do. So I tried out a semester and then now about six plus years later, I'm here. Wow. So you were studying kinesiology at the time. Was that a separate area of study that you had to go into to go after acupuncture? Or did you get a certification? Or like, what is the, what was the process like once you decided to make that shift? Yeah, great question. When it comes to um, kinesiology, a major that I chose back in undergrad that um, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do with it. I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist because I had that inner desire to help people. Um, but two years later, I ended up having that experience and then basically finding my way into Eastern medicine. And to become a licensed acupuncturist, it requires over 3,000 clinical hours, or I should say school hours, and then seeing over 350 clinical patients. So we're reps and sets as one would say during our schooling we're doing internships alongside other doctors other physical therapists etc at least at my school which is more integrative based pacific college of health and science as it's now called previously known as pacific center of um, oriental medicine so it was really neat to be able to learn all the biomedicine and all of the eastern medicine as well Absolutely. You had that experience with kinesiology, which is not an easy thing to study. And I think that's so cool that you had that educational background and then going into studying Eastern medicine where you were able to kind of compare and contrast. What were some of the big philosophical differences that you felt between the two? I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit with the integration of how impactful it is, your actual body and paying attention to its signs. But when you were stepping into that world, what were some of the big, like, philosophical differences that you noticed? Mm, I would say a couple of the things that stand out is going to be that the body innately knows how to heal itself. It's capable mm -hmm. of And it just requires the appropriate input, whether it's maybe acupuncture, but oftentimes it's very much the diet and lifestyle related. Um, the other thing would be the importance of knowing that total health and well-being is not so much an absence of disease, but more so it's built on the interconnectedness of our physical health, mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health as well. And spiritual in the sense of knowing that there is a purpose in one's life, that everyone has a certain constitution and everyone is bio-individual. So we don't treat, for example, to give you a little bit of a context with the contrast, say if it's someone like myself in the past was experiencing what would be a diagnosis of clinical depression. In Chinese medicine, we would approach that to ask more questions. Um, we'll take their pulse. We're also going to look at the their general appearance. Do they have a sense of, like, with or spirit in their eyes or in their face or is it a little bit darker or more pale like there's not a lot of circulation going on in the body so we're going to take everything like that into consideration and then basically assign or give a pattern to that so maybe it's more related to a liver spleen pattern and this is not so much the liver and spleen organs that western medical system or medicine system refers to but it's the liver system in Chinese medicine, the spleen system in Chinese medicine versus those organs itself. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, it makes sense um, only because I've dabbled a little bit. Um, but yeah. if you can explain on a, on a higher level what that means for yeah. maybe people who haven't ever stepped a foot into Eastern medicine. Totally. So when it comes to the organ systems, we will talk about things like maybe your lung chi and how it's related to your immune system because of it being related to wei chi. 
and we think about inspiration or inspiring, breathing in the air from the Western medicine perspective. And then when we think about the lung system from a Chinese medicine perspective, we're going to think about breathing, but we're also going to think about inspiration and the opposite of that, which might be grief or feeling down and depressed. So when we see someone who might be lung chi deficient or not as strong in their lung meridian system, they might appear to be a little bit more forward in their posture because their lung meridian that runs from their thumb all the way down into the middle of their chest, down into their intestines, is not strong enough to keep them upright. So they're going to be in this position here. Mm -hmm. And to breathe in this position for a while, it's a little bit difficult. So they might be short of breath. They might be sad, etc. So I think it's over and over so inspiring, so fascinating that this system of medicine that's been built on thousands and thousands of years of ancient wisdom and tradition was basically the biology of nature. So it was looking at and observing multiple, multiple cases over and over again while comparing that to the nature around them to deliver essentially medicine in a way that was sustainable to that person versus just their symptoms, if that makes sense. Yes, 100%. I mean, it's, to me, the beautiful thing about Eastern medicine, to your point, is that it's much more holistic in the connection between the symptoms and the uh, actual body. Um, I feel like, to your point about when you were feeling depressed and you were trying to get treated by that, um, there was there's not just one simple pill that can fix all of the symptoms that you were experiencing. And if you had had the type of intervention or the service that you provide to people now, it's a more of a holistic approach to the symptoms that you're having and how they can actually, from within, cure you. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. It really, really is. One of my friends, I always like to share the quote. Um, he shared that we are not apart from nature, but we are a part of nature. So it's something that is beautiful in itself, especially as we are reminded about our, the uh, special, the, um, what would be the preciousness of being able to simply go to the beach, to simply go to a park. And I think that was, for me, one of the most heartbreaking things when all of this started, because it was not only restricting access to physical health, the hiking, the swimming, the walking, the jogging, but even more so the mental health. Absolutely. I recommend for clients I work with, make sure to get 15 to 45 minutes of your feet on the earth. It's, I mean, now it's proven to show how much it decreases inflammation, which of course is going to help not only with physical health, health but mental emotional health as well. You're talking about actually physically, because it's so funny that you bring that up. I brought that up last weekend um, when I was, or Thursday actually, was speaking with RC on here. And we were just talking about ways that we like to rejuvenate. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you bring up that, that there's factual and backup for it, um, that putting your actual feet on the ground um, can, why do you think that's so powerful? Do you think it's because it is connecting us back with nature? Absolutely. That reason very much so. And because of the resonance that every single thing carries. If you, for example, might imagine walking into a room and it's a room with all your friends, immediately you feel excited, you feel loved, you're very much so present in that moment to the joy around you. Versus if you say walk into a room where there might have been an argument or something like that, the actual space carries the energetic vibration. There is a institu institute called the HeartMath Institute and they have done a lot of research and share a lot of studies related to that in our biofields, as they would call it. Some people might refer to that as our auras or auric fields. And now we have instruments as cool as it is to be able to measure this. How far do, do these fields extend and how do they affect the things around them? So when it comes to resonance of earth and the actual 
like ground, the dirt, the sand, the ocean, etc. They have ions, just like we are electrical beings. So we are going to interact with the earth in a way that helps us to reduce inflammation related to our, our balance inside of us being off balance or maybe um, not in the best harmony. Does that make sense? Um, I'm trying hard not to make noises while you're talking because I realize when I watch back that it creates an interruption in our audio, but I'm over here like, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember when I actually went to school in San Diego to um, Point Loma, shout out to anyone uh, watches this from Point Loma, but I remember just how rejuvenating it would feel to go to like sunset cliffs and just walk in the sand or just sit on the cliffs and connect with the waves or um, yeah, it just really would. That's it. the points that you had about the ions and impacting our auras. It's just that makes that's clicking to me now. Why was that so rejuvenating? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it makes complete sense. It really just brings you back. It centers you and you can start a new day. <laughs> I love that you shared that sunset cliffs is magic. It's so special. And it's that practice of grounding, some people call it earthing, is also really, really great for hacking or mitigating the effects of insomnia and jet lag as well. When it comes to traveling through time zones, not only are we flying in this giant contraption with a lot of different electromagnetic fields or like electricity in it, um, it's being able to reground your body mind, body, and spirit in that new time zone when you land. So I always tell clients and friends, like, as soon as you get off the plane, try to get your feet on the ground and try to catch the next sunset. Because when you see the sunset, your body's going to start to recalibrate to that new time zone because we are a part of nature and we're going to be sinking with the rise and the fall of the sun. So whether it's traveling time zones or even if you're not traveling, say, I know during this time or these times, a lot of people have shared some difficulties with insomnia patterns, whether it's staying up too late because they can't fall asleep, they feel a little bit too wired, even though they might be physically tired, they're not sleeping yet. One of the things that you could do is within 30 minutes of waking up, expose as much as your skin and also a little bit of your eyes to pure sunlight. So granted, if someone has melasma or different hyperpigmentation conditions, it would be smart to put on a little bit of sunscreen on your face. But if you could, maybe in your sports bra, whatever it feels like, depending on how close your neighbors are, just exposing as much as your skin to the sunlight to help reset your circadian rhythm can do wonders for sleep, for energy, mental focus, etc. And these are something that you don't need a prescription for, you don't need to order off the internet is available to most people um, just outside their doors. Wow, that's a great little tip that I'm definitely going to use tomorrow morning. <laughs> I love that. I've, I've heard that before, um, but it does make sense to just take that immediate step outside, get that exposure to the sun, get your circadian rhythms back in check. And um, yeah, I, I can personally relate to having struggled with well, I'm back at work now, but definitely when I wasn't going into my job, it was kind of like, um, what day is it? What am I supposed to do with myself? And yeah, that that's a great tip. I love that. Um, I definitely know that I'm going to struggle with trying to keep this into an hour because I love everything that we're talking about. I want to circle back to acupuncture and um, just at a higher level, like, can you explain acupuncture and what it does and how it works. Um, I did my first acupuncture experience, um, I think it was like the beginning of 2020 or the end of 2019 and I really, really loved it. It, it was that deep sleep that you were saying, um, that first experience uh, waking up at the table and being like, wow, what just happened? Um, so explain for people who are maybe not familiar with acupuncture, like how it works and, and everything like that. Totally. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love hearing acupuncture stories. And essentially, the way in which acupuncture works is by literally tapping into our nervous system to, by, with the needle actually stimulating more blood flow, 
to various areas of the body to promote pain relief, reduce inflammation, and optimize organ function. So it does this by essentially activating our parasympathetic, I remember parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system because Spanish, parar is like, stop, <laughs> rest. Right. The like, nervous system is going to be that rest and digest system. So when we're in that state of being, that's the healing state of being. When we're in fight or flight, oftentimes, say, in traffic, or maybe not so much traffic nowadays, but when we're in that fight or flight or freeze state of being, we're not on the healing state of being. So acupuncture helps to basically give you the access points to allow your body to heal itself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, so the process is like what? Like when your clients come in, um, and you, I'm, you offer more services besides just acupuncture. Like when you when clients come to see you, how do you go about just like assessing what their needs are? They're like complaining, I'm, I'm tired, or I have acne, and like, or I have menstrual cramps. Like, how do you go about assessing your clients and then determining what they need? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah, question. My ex or my processes might be a little bit different from other acupuncturists, and it's really neat. I encourage people to try out various acupuncturists to find your perfect fit. I know I won't be a perfect fit for everyone, and I have my own acupuncturist that I will go to as well. So when I get the privilege of working with someone, what it usually looks like is starting off with a phone call to get to know them to see if I am a right fit for them. I mainly work on um, stress, mental and emotional health, um, and also some skin issues as well, in addition to digestive issues and um, various things like that. What it looks like as far as their initial consultation and their first treatment is that they will show up in person. And so I see clients in Santa Monica, even though right now home base is San Diego. So I'm there once a week. And um, we, before the session, what we've been doing is they'll send me photos of their face and their tongue. So these are two different tools that we use as acupuncturists to look at what other things might be going on in the body because the shape of the tongue, the color of the tongue, and the coating and its various colors or thickness will give us more information about what's going on in the digestive system and maybe even um, different patterns of insomnia, different things like that, because it's actually the only muscle that we could see outside or from the outside of the body, which is a really cool thing. And um, they'll receive their photos or look at them before they come in. They come in and what we'll do is to see how the meridians are functioning within their body. So even though they might have a shoulder issue, there might be a restriction going on in their legs um, related to the meridian that goes all the way from the toes all the way through the shoulder, across the head, etc. because it's not just a section. We are covered with these uh, meridians, which is so, so neat. And essentially from there, we gather information. We'll go through the nitty gritties of all the questions talk about everything from how their poops are bit, like doing, how they're doing emotionally, where stress level's at, um, different things like that. So it's much, it is much more in depth than the traditional 10 to 15 minutes that you might get with a Western medical doctor. Usually intakes will take more, much more than that, especially if it's their first time working with me. We usually spend anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes for a full health history intake. From there, we're going to actually go into the acupuncture treatment and sometimes a cupping and or gua sha treatment as well. For those of us who aren't familiar with cupping or gua sha, these are different modalities that are included under the umbrella of Chinese medicine. So these are, for example, cupping was really made popular by Michael Phelps during the Olympics. Yes. He's going into the water with these different- Hard to miss these different circle bruises yeah like looking things and essentially what we're doing when we're working with cupping is optimizing lung function 
we're creating more space between the muscle and the fascia layer and that's going to promote blood flow and lymphatic circulation so it's really great for moving any toxins out and through the body it's great for acute and chronic injuries for asthma patients and any kind of acute like cold or congestion symptoms as well um, allergies i see a lot of clients with that during these times too and immediately it's really cool to just like hear how their voice changes and they're able to take a nice deep inhale so we'll usually do a little bit of that um wash all his skin scraping so it sounds worse than it actually is <laughs> because it's a consistent pressure along the skin with a wash out tool that might be as fancy as a um buffalo horn or a jade stone or it can be as simple as a mason jar lid or a soup spoon so wow and what does that do to uh when you're how do you say it? gosh some people say guasa some people say guasha um linda in school as guasha um but it definitely depends on your teachers and where you learned it from so we learned it in a way of i know a lot of people use it for like a natural facelift and traditionally it was used with anyone from like elderly to um release heat from the body if the body was overheating say due to fever patterns etc it was also used for um digestive issues for mental emotional issues as well because if you can imagine um when someone gets maybe really frustrated or if they're experiencing headaches they're going to experience a almost a heat rushing up into the body in chinese medicine we call that liver young rising you might imagine also with that anger or that emotion of anger clenched fists and clenched jaws so it's a lot of tightness and tension so with cupping with wasa with acupuncture it's going to help to dissolve some of that physical tension and also the mental emotional tension as well because kind of like what we chatted about earlier it's all interconnected there's no separation in the mind and the body so we might go through some cupping some wasa and then we'll do some acupuncture primarily in my practice i do what when what is considered esoteric acupuncture so i learned this practice from dr mikio sanke he's actually based in los angeles as well and he has basically assembled various wisdom from the ancient teachings of um the chakra system chinese medicine um a little bit of kamala a lot of astro not astrophysics but um like mental physical teachings etc to be able to work directly with the astral body or more the emotional body versus just working in the physical plane in the body so it was a very powerful experience for me and it's something i learned about in my last semester of acupuncture school after already studying chinese medicine for four years and when i heard about it and using sacred geometry with the acupuncture points i was like i need to learn about this so i kind of put that on a shelf and then we're going on a little bit of a tangent with this i love tangents <laughs> tangents are great this is esoteric um acupuncture so i put it on a shelf as i study for my california board exam because the board exam was very much so foundationally going to be about traditional chinese medicine very much so the standardization of chinese medicine acupuncture herbs etc so after i passed my exam i ended up studying with dr mikio sanke and um had my own experiences with esoteric acupuncture treatments and it's now become a basis of my treatment so i may do what we would call a grid a esoteric acupuncture grid that usually is a pattern of various sacred geometry patterns in addition to various supplementary points and maybe add in some moxibustion for those who don't know what moxibustion is it is the practice of burning a herb called mugwort or moxa on top of the body to stimulate various acupuncture points it's going to bring more heat more blood flow to that area to stimulate the same acupuncture properties as that point so it's very powerful it's great for people who don't 
prefer to use needles. Um, even in my first few years as an acupuncture intern during school, my first client or my first patient was a two-year-old. And oh. we used things, so we used magnets as well as acupressure on the same acupuncture points. And it was so, so, so neat to see how much that supported these children. I was at children, Rainey's Children's Hospital. So there was less maybe bias, um, whereas for some adults, it's still, there might still be some skepticism as far as yes. like work with the kids. It's just like, I don't know what's happening. And then you get to actually see like, okay, their digestion is better. They're actually able to pass a bowel movement or they aren't having as many seizures, et cetera. So. Wow. That's amazing. I want to slow what you just said down a little bit because there's a lot in there. So firstly, what you're saying is you're able to practice acupuncture even without the actual needles. It still affects the body the same way. So by definition, acupuncture will be with the needles um, because of the, even the word itself is to puncture the skin. And when it comes to practicing with magnets, with moxa, with acupressure tools, it'll be the practice of acupressure. So this is the really neat thing about being able to work with people through online models is that, for example, I shipped some moxa bushton cones to my client in Pennsylvania so that she could simulate the acupuncture points to support her in resolving some of the digestive issues that were present for her. So even though I'm literally not there to administer or facilitate acupuncture as a treatment, we're able to be, whether it's on Zoom, FaceTime, through cameras like these, to guide someone through, whether it's moxa or simply holding an acupuncture point, to stimulate that, breathe through it for approximately 10 or so breaths, and it'll have similar effects to acupuncture itself. So there's even I'm not sure of the name off the top of my head, but they make motion sickness bracelets. Mm -hmm. that's an acupuncture point that's on the wrist right here in the middle of our forearm. So that's an example of using some, um, acupressure to elicit the same properties as the acupuncture point. So that point specifically is great for nausea. It's great calming the nervous system, which when it's dysregulated can create nausea symptoms, etc. So that's an example of acupuncture without the needles. That's very cool. I didn't know that that was even a thing. So I'm learning a lot today. <laughs> um, I love what you were touching on about the emotional body. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? Like, how does it just, I don't know, explain it, because it's new to me. Absolutely. It's truly one of my passions when it comes to being a student in life. I will always nerd out, and much of my doctorate, for example, was writing multitudes of research papers about the mind-body connection, and whether it was diving into research from HeartMath Institute and their evidence-based studies on our biofields and how there is a resonance with um, forest bathing, with hikes um, and earth's um, frequency and how that affects our sleep or mental emotional states, etc. I also dove into the work of Dr. David Hawkins, who is a renowned psychiatrist, and he has a lot of great books. One of them that is on my shelf right now is called Surrender or the Art of Letting Go. And I quoted one of his um, quotes from the book in my research paper about our emotional bodies where a negative thought or a negative emotion will actually has been proven to weigh 50% heavier on our physical bodies than a positive thought. So if you can imagine what, how it feels for, I mean, we could go to the beautiful extreme of being in love or being so enamored by whether it's a puppy or a partner you feel this lightness you feel this excitement versus when we describe maybe sadness or feelings of depression we literally describe these feelings as feeling heavy 
So intuitively, it's neat to consider that we already know these things. We already know that there is a connection there between our physical body and our mental, emotional body. So even when it comes to the differences of excitement and how that manifests in our body versus nervousness and how that manifests in our body. In Chinese medicine, for example, the experience, the emotions of worry, we will say damages or injures the spleen. The spleen is related to digestion. So if you can imagine the phrase, I am so worried, I have knots in my stomach, it's literally going to maybe create more constipation. It might create, on the opposite spectrum, loose bowels or diarrhea because our emotions are literally affecting our digestion. So those are a couple of different examples in regards to that physical, mental, emotional connection of our mind and our body. I can imagine that your sessions, which, by the way, I'm so excited to hear that you make pit stops in Santa Monica because that means... Maybe I can book you. <laughs> but um, I'm, ex I'm imagining that your sessions end up being very much like a blend of therapeutic con conversation and consulting about their diets and also with all the services that you provide because it's all interconnected. So to your point, you know, if you're treating someone for whichever ailment they're having at the moment, you also having to understand like what implications they're having in their life. Like, what are you, are you going through a heartbreak? Or are you stressed out about something? Because that could also be the culprit of whatever entanglements they're having inside their, their body. Right. So I'm sure that your services are very much intertwined. Thank you. Yeah, it's absolutely all connected. And um, that conversational piece that is, what I say is medicine, and I define medicine as anything that brings you back to you, anything that makes you feel more whole. We could say that a conversation with a friend is medicine for the soul. And so that's so, so nourishing in itself. And one of the, or one of the foundational pieces as far as why I chose and continue to choose to work with clients on a one-to-one -one basis versus and there's nothing wrong with it a lot of acupuncturists for example will treat three clients per hour by conversating doing a full intake and so it's still delivering a very high level of care but uh, it's maybe it i knew even before having my license it's not the way i wanted to practice there was something really special in my experience receiving care from my acupuncturist where we can have conversations. It wasn't just like putting needles in and leaving the room. So I feel very, very blessed to be able to get to know a lot of my clients and become what I would say friends. And it's being able to hold space for someone to feel heard and feel supported. It's unfortunately not as common in the medical system as a whole. And it's not even so much that the conventional system is broken but it's the way it was built to function because it's it's disease management more than it is more wellness focus and even thinking about the way that Chinese medicine was built on the foundation of preventative care where back in the day the practitioners used to only get paid when their client or their patient was well when they were sick the paycheck stopped and it was like, okay, I better make sure to get them back to fully functioning and well so I get paid again. So it's interesting to be able to witness. I do see a shift in the paradigm as far as focusing on wellness, the self-care Sundays, the focusing on nutrition as medicine, being able to call for more transparency for learning more about what's going into our food and how it's affecting us. So it's really, really neat to see that change. And when it comes to empowering the people I get to work with, that's truly at the uh, foundation. I keep saying that word, truly the pillars of my practice. I really want to be able to empower the people around me to feel as though they have the resources and tools 
to navigate anything because if there's anything we know and anything that is certain, it is that change is always happening. And it's being able to build our resiliency, our physical resiliency, physiological, physiological and our psychological resiliency that is so, so important. So whether it is various infections or various um, symptoms that manifest, how can we build ourselves to be so strong and so resilient that we can move through anything? Because yes, mindset is a part of it, but it's not everything. And yes, our physical health is a part of it, but it's not everything. It has to include both. Yes, you had a... I have a bunch of notes from your, the podcast that you did on Almost 30, which shout out to that podcast. It's a great podcast um, that you wrote, that you said uh, how our psychology affects our physiology, mm-hmm. which I think, I don't know if you're quoting someone else or, or what, but I think it is kind of what we've already touched on. But if you don't mind expanding on that ideology a little bit, and I think it goes back to your original point of how your mind and body connect. Yeah, absolutely. Something I like to share and remind people of, it could also be a fun experiment if someone wanted to, the next time you go out in public, say to the grocery store, etc., is to kind of just step back and observe the people around you. Considering the phrase that our posture and how we hold ourselves is the embodiment of our emotions. And then like what we were talking about, when we're angry, we're probably going to have a clenched jaw, clenched fist, Um, We might have that furrowed brow. We can usually kind of um, assume how someone is feeling based on how they are holding themselves. If someone's a little bit more um, sad or experiencing emotions of grief, they might be in a position where this is where our psychology is going to affect our physiology in that hunched over position, not so much making as much eye contact, etc., and when it comes to being able to have our psych or physiology influence our psychology, this is what I'm blanking on her name, but she talks a lot about the power poses. So being able to step into and experience different states of being based on these power poses. So if we are standing in a certain position, and maybe sometimes it's even putting on that red lipstick and high heels, or that dress that you love, or that workout outfit that you just got brand new, shiny with the shiny sneakers that are like fresh out of the box. It's these different things that will influence our psychology and how we think. So it's not just a one-way street. Very few things are, are. So it's being able to influence, yes, our environment around us, but also be aware of how our environment influences us as well when it comes to our emotions, etc., It's uh, very, very important as I, just before this was chatting with somebody to really above all else, prioritize your energy and prioritize your peace. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, tonight I'm gonna like say no to this dinner invitation because I just need to rest. And what that rest looks like is taking some alone time to Maybe just process um, some different things that are present for me. Or maybe that looks like going to the beach because I know that just seeing the water is going to help me ground my spirit. Whatever that looks like. And boundaries are a big, big thing, especially in today's day and age, where even though we might be, for some of us, not all of us, have more free time on our hands, it doesn't mean that everyone has more access to you. So in Chinese medicine, our boundaries are related to our lung meridian system, and it's related to our immunity through that interrelationship. So if we're not upholding our boundaries very well, say we're overcommitting ourselves, kind of like what was happening to me seven years ago, and saying yes to everyone because you can't, because you're ambition and you want to help everyone. That's the, also the equivalent of trying to serve from a cup that's half full instead of filling up our cups and that we're serving from the overflow. So when we're overextending ourselves, we're saying yes to too many things, we're not honoring our boundaries, honoring our self-care, our immune system actually starts to 
diminish a little bit. And that's when, for example, people will say flu season will come around, but usually it's the season where we're going to too many parties and maybe eating things that are not so much the um, things that are in our bodies in the way that we want them to. We're staying up too late where it's like, yeah, it's great to have those once in a while, stay up late, never ending conversations and great times with friends and family. But when it's over and over and over again, while also working overtime to meet the holiday deadlines, that's what flu season actually is. It's the uh, not so much honoring of our peace, our energy, and our boundaries. That's amazing. I had so many thoughts flying through my head as you were talking. And um, the first one is that I love that concept that you and your friend were talking about of just really protecting your peace and your energy. And I think it's a really empowering concept. Um, and one of my goals with Empower Hour is to just have like these gems that you're dropping um, to, for women and men watching to really take that, like listen to that because it's so important. And to your point about how that can really filter through and affect your even immunity. Um, and the idea of not respecting or not imposing these boundaries on people and how that can actually physically make you sick or taking on too much to your plate. And I think it was interesting. I had, um, I listened to some podcasts where they were talking to someone who had gotten COVID, like one of the original, not original, but like early on. And they were like, well, I was traveling here, I was traveling there, I was traveling here and I was exhausted. And mm -hmm. I kept hearing that same story over and over again of people who got it bad. Um, and that was kind of their, what was leading up to them being hospitalized with it. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way to ignore how the immunity is impacted by our daily activities and our rest and our energy and our peace. So that's such an empowering concept that I hope people listen and take with them um, about just setting your boundaries and protecting your peace and your energy. I'm curious, someone like you with all your knowledge and experience, like what is your daily routine like to stay centered and your job is as I'm sure you're an empath where you're kind of pouring out energy to people all day, how do you recuperate? How do you stay grounded yourself? That's a great question. Um, I definitely had a experience of learning the hard way again, I would say, where it was my first time as a intern at Rainey's Children's Hospital where it was very humbling. My first patient was two years old. We also were working with patients who were two months old. And every night, it was on Mondays, I remember, every night when I got home, I would just cry and have this heaviness from pretty much taking work home. And it was then that I'm very blessed that my mom is actually a Reiki master and she is in tune with this world as well. And she, I shared this with her and it was a nice conversation about the importance and the reminder of being able to not compartmentalize, but to be able to hold space and then to be able to release it in a way that's not so much giving it back to the other person, but allowing it to dissolve in the way that it needs to be released. So what has helped me was from learning that experience, it was different practices. One of the practices that has been so helpful, especially recently, where on Thursdays, for example, is when I see clients in Santa Monica. So from 10 to 6, I'm in my, like, what I call flow state. So it's just acupuncture, nothing else. Um, anyone who, like, emailed, like, nothing gets done except for acupuncture. And then at the end of the day, I have a, what I would say is a very cleansing shower. So it's very intentional where I imagine and see everything that I might have held on to or carried for the day wash over me, through me, and down the drain. I might speak aloud to various things that still might be on my heart or on my mind and really feel everything releasing and washing over me and through me. 
in between patients, I'm actually washing my hands, of course, but I'm also bringing the water to above and about elbow length to be able to experience and give attention to washing and releasing in between patients so I'm not bringing anything from the previous session into the new session. In between those sessions, I'm also clearing the energy, whether it's with the sacred practice of Palo Santo or a sacred spray that's infused with various quartz crystals that a amazing woman made for me. And so it's really important, especially given, I mean, my own experience, it's important, I believe, to be able to enter a room that is blank, to be able to not feel bombarded with other people's energy. So for me, it's been the showers, it's been getting my feet on the ground, it's been prioritizing my morning practices and my morning rituals. Over time, I've been able to find what works for me and what has worked for me is the sun. It's being able to keep my phone on airplane mode for at least half an hour, at least. It's always, usually nowadays, anywhere from like 30 to minutes to two hours. And in that time, I'm doing a little bit of movement practice, just getting into my body. I'm journaling with my planner, what am I grateful for, what am I tasked for the day, and um, getting into with how I would like the day to go. And those have been some very centering things in addition to hydrating as well, making sure that like that first action is something really nourishing for my body. So that way, no matter what pops up into the screen or what conversations get to be had, I feel like I'm coming from a place of groundedness. So I'm very, very grateful to have learned those practices and very happy that um, we get to discuss them here because I also know that these things weren't something that I knew about seven years ago, even before that. Um, definitely have been, had very different, I would say, past lives up until that seven-year awakening person. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for this ideology being taught to people at a younger age because it definitely helps as we get into adulthood and try to figure our lives out and get smacked in the face with no coping mechanisms or ways to um, just process what's happening to us. And I really, I'm personally very inspired by your routine. I'm going to go back and listen to this. And <laughs> and it's it's the mental, and we're getting down to two minutes, so I'm going to rush myself. But we're, it's, it's the difference between just washing your hands in between clients. It's the mental activity of saying, okay, like I am cleansing. It's almost like a meditation. It's energy. You're cleansing the previous energy and making space for the new, which and, and your shower, like when you're in the shower and you're mentally cleansing the energy of the day. And like you said, giving it a natural way to break down is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in these last two minutes, would you mind um, letting people know? Yeah, we literally have two minutes. It's going to cut you off quickly. Where can they find you? Tell us your website um, and like what kind of services they can get from you if they're not in San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, if they, I actually see clients in Santa Monica, so San Diego's home base. I used to live in Santa Monica for two years, so meeting back and forth is where I'm doing my acupuncture practice. And I can be found on Instagram. I am active in my DMs. And I also work with clients online through a six-month wellness program that is inclusive of all the functional medicine testing. So we are looking at your poop your hormones, stress tests. We're also taking food sensitivities into consideration and we're creating a personalized care protocol founded upon Chinese medicine and the specificities of functional testing. So there's nothing that gets left behind when addressing physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health to empower you in a way that you are truly stepping into the fullest expression of yourself without any distractions of a bloated belly or headaches, painful menstrual cycles, etc. Because if there's anything the world needs, it's more people who are alive, inspired, and energized to do more good in this world. Yes, like you, 
30 seconds. Um, thank you so much, uh, Chloe. You're such a beautiful and bright soul. I really, really appreciate you. I'm going to have to have you back so we can dig deep. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Kimmy. It's been thank you. Have a beautiful evening. Bye, guys. Thank you. You too.